0: The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, we lift them up to the Lord. We gather for ordered worship, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. We gather to worship Almighty God. The liturgy, music, and homily this Lord's Day are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here within Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed response, your self-selection of forms of leadership, service, and ministry in our midst, And as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we not things eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. As we travel together toward a common hope this summer, this year, this decade all, we do so listening for a word of faith in a pastoral voice toward that common hope. A word of faith in a pastoral voice, toward that common hope. In our time of confession, contrition, lament, as we seek with confidence God's pardon, may we lift our silent prayers of confession as the choir guides us singing the traditional Kyrie, Lord, have mercy upon us. along the way, upon the journey. Nourish us, we pray, that we may be satisfied by the fruit of thy spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Beloved, hear good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks Thanks be to God.
1: A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his Spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: Friends, I invite you to join me in reading Psalm 14 responsively with the antiphon. say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on humankind to see if there are any who are wise, who seek after God. They have all gone astray. They are all alike perverse. There is no one who does good. No, not one. Have they no knowledge, all the evildoers who eat up my people as they eat bread, and do not call upon the Lord? There they shall be in great terror, for God is with the company of the righteous. You would confound the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that deliverance for Israel would come from Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, Jacob will rejoice. Israel will be glad. Friends, please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the Gospel, and the singing of our hymn.
3: Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 6, verses 1 to 21. Glory Glory to to you, O Lord. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley leaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place. So they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves... "'Left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. "'When the people saw the sign that he had done, "'they began to say, "'This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world.' "'When Jesus realized that they were about to come "'and take him by force to make him king, "'he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. "'When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, "'got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. "'It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them.' The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land towards which they were going. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Christ.
0: be seated. Our gospel this morning, song and hymns, including children's hymns, read in Holy Scripture, including the fourth gospel, approached in thought and speech, including in a 20-minute sermon, and in full lived out in the exuberance of a summer Sunday, accents, the glory and revelation in the least among us, the littlest among us. The Gospel of John exalts the glory of God revealed in the divine presence throughout and through all of life. Our passage from John 6 is one of seven great miraculous accounts recalled in the preaching of the earlier church and collected in the first half of the Gospel of John as a way to ring the bell, sing the song, and tell the tale of the Divine Presence. It is miraculous that 5,000 have gathered. It is miraculous that all are fed in one setting. It is miraculous, more miraculous still, that not only are they fed, but they are satisfied. That is a glorious morning when all are satisfied. It is miraculous that in this revelation there arises for the author of John in reflection a sense of what this must mean that one from beyond has entered within that one from above has descended below that a prophet such a strange appellation has come into the world to be sure John has received this story from tradition, as in Mark 6, but he has changed it to celebrate a glorious revelation which takes him well beyond any simply sacramental concern. And of all John's changes, perhaps, the greatest is the agency he gives to one of the least of those present. In John, unlike in Mark and the other Gospels, there is a new figure in the story, a boy, a lad, a little fellow, who is the only one remember, who remembered, he is the only one among them who remembered to bring a lunch that day. There was John Avers, a lad with five barley loaves and two fish. John smuggles into this morning's gospel a new character in the ongoing story of gospel, that is, the story of divine presence. In radiant exuberance, the revelatory joy of Jesus' presence, then and now, on the hills of Palestine and in the hills of New England, John alerts us to this one little lad, the boy with the lunch to share. This is good news packaged in the lunch pail of the least of these among us. On the streets of Boston in the summer, we too are alert to the least of these among us. Summer takes our city and makes it young, younger still, makes it young again. This is a time when people from all over the globe come and pay us a call, come and visit us here. Just look at the license plates of the cars driving past you sometime on the highways north, west, south. Just listen to the languages spoken as you saunter down a summer day in this magical city, as you flané dans les rues. It is an unutterable happiness to be graced with those who want to visit, who come from afar, who save and plan and travel to get here, to see something, to learn something, to touch the hem of something. For this is dear old Boston, the home of the bean and the cod, where the Lowell's speak only to the Cabot's, the Cabot's speak only to God. Boston, in so many ways, the city of origin, the point of departure. Boston, birthplace of the Republic, Haymarket Square, Old North Church, Bunker Hill, Old Ironsides, Boston, Boston home to heroes and heroines, Paul Revere, Abigail Adams, John Hancock. Austin, where in 1832 the city heard a children's choir sing, My Country Tis of Thee, which was written a year earlier, sung first at Park Street Church, just a few blocks walk from here. This afternoon on the Freedom Trail, you can talk with Ben Franklin, attired in the garb of 1780. On the subway, you can stop at the Scully Square Station and remember the man who never returned. You can take the train to Fenway Park and peer at the Green Monster. Try not to make the mistake of wearing a Yankees hat. Walk through downtown in the flower gardens in the glorious public garden. Spend a minute along the old streets and feel the freshness of a country being born, being formed, being built. Visit the Children's Science Museum. Boston, your hometown, takes the world and makes it young again. One of the best spots in this young city, this birthing room for freedom, is the aquarium. Right on the port shoreline, your city has built a magnificent structure, a several-tiered tank. Coral has been transported from the Caribbean and then also reproduced. Fish of dozens of colors, shapes, sizes, swim in the blue-green cylinder. Divers in fins, wetsuits, and air tanks maintain the giant man-made ocean tank. Stingrays swimming in a separate pool, you can reach out and touch them. And around and around the outside of the cylinder walk mesmerized children and adults looking on the splendor of Neptune's kingdom. There are six kinds of sharks in the aquarium, the sand shark and others. At the top level, you can watch them jump and swim. Boston returns one to the great ocean deep from which life at last emerged across millennia. Boston takes the world and makes it young again. A generation ago with three children in tow in the summer heat and on a limited budget, it is happy and glorious to recall, our then young family visited the aquarium The place was mobbed, packed with kids and parents, classes and groups. The colors and shapes and sizes of the humans walking clockwise around the tank mimicked nicely the variety of fish swimming counterclockwise inside. We saw a little girl pressing her nose against the glass up toward the tank top, just as the sand shark swam by. Two women photographed the coral, A boy screamed as he patted the stingray. There were maybe 3,000 people inside the aquarium. All of a sudden, the loudspeaker crackled. Please be quiet, all of you. Soon the tall structure full of children and parents was nearly silent. The announcer continued. I must regrettably report that a little boy is lost. He is three years old. He is wearing jeans and a white sweatshirt that says Boston College on the front. He has red hair. Please, please take a moment wherever you are and look toward the tank and then along the walkway. In a moment, you could feel the atmosphere in the building shift from lark to worry. Every parent's worst nightmare had hit. The tension around the tank was palpable. The thought that one child, even one, out for a day of learning and play would disappear, or worse, held the gathered company on a tight leash. In a single moment, the joy of the many had been overshadowed, darkly overshadowed by the need of just one. All knew instinctively that there are no extra children, none to spare, not one to give up, to throw to the sharks. In that kind of dramatic moment, it was so very clear, every child is precious, every one dear. We have wondered a little this summer, remembering our long-ago visit, about the way the announcement so disturbed those of us who could see our own children. Of course, you can think of many reasons, But one central reason the announcement, Child Lost, White Sweatshirt, pierced the group that day, is that we are dimly aware that there is a kind of revelation in the least of these, like the lunch for the road of life brought along by the lad with five barley loaves and two fish. Children have not had a chance in full at life yet. They have not had their time yet in the batter's box. They give a sharp measure of how what we say stands up to what we do, of what our walk is like in earshot of all our talk. Children suffer the effects of poverty most strongly. Children endure the effects of family demise most squarely. Children miss the care of physicians and dentists most keenly. Children feel the impact of bad diet most sharply. Children are too little, too weak, too powerless, too small in every way to watch out for themselves. Children measure the depth of morality around us by measuring the amount of time, energy, commitment, and money within us ready to be devoted to children. As a country, just a few weeks ago, we had a shared, convulsive, similar moment, did we not? We know the need for laws, for borders, for the institutions that make up a civil society, including proper, legal, fair immigration practices. Across different perspectives, we can largely agree that law is central to safety and peace, that law is meant to make us more human and humane rather than less. And we also, by vast majority, know and affirm the centrality of immigration in the birth and life and health of our land. But law, like scripture, requires interpretation and application, and therein lies challenge. So when, as a country, we face the shame and humiliation within this decade of humiliation of seeing children taken from their parents' arms, seeing parents deprived of their children, seeing what can befall the least among us, and especially those 2,000 directly and some still affected, in our own time at the borders of life, There was a common revulsion, there was a common reaction, there was a common response. Nota bene. There is in that one moment a sign, a sign of a common hope. Like the presence of the little lad who shared his lunch across the lake from Capernaum, and so both took and gave the measure of the gospel that moment, so the least of these do measure us. As a church, let us readily confess as well that we have yet to achieve the kind of caring for children which we profess. Good, pious words of a recent Methodist church statement are ones we all share. We believe that caring and providing for one another includes welcoming children into the family of the church. As members of the body of Christ, we know that children are gifts from God. In this, we follow the example of our Lord, who during his earthly ministry, it in the face of opposition welcomed children to his side. And we conform to the example of the early church, which though living in the midst of a pagan empire that casually practiced abortion and abandoned children, usually to slavery, prostitution, or death, church helped to provide refuge for unwanted ones and their needy parents. There was even a footnote or two there to the Didache. Well, good, good words. But anyone who's been around the church for very long knows that we do not endlessly fully practice what we preach in this as in so many areas. We sometimes devote more language to love of children in church than we do actual time spent with children in church. Vacation Bible school... We've run one every year since 1979, including a small one here, June 24th, is one bellwether for that commitment. Church school, Sunday school is a second. We are still more than rightly judged by the sort of people we produce, the sort of children we raise in and through the communities of faith. One day this summer, after a round of golf, two friends stopped at the home of a third to have supper. The host is a retired physician, a family doctor from the bygone days of fee for servants. Redolent with exercise and at ease in the company of friends, the doctor reflected on his life and work. A summer evening, a twilight supper, a moment before the light begins to fade and the cool air returns. This became an hour for thoughts before the autumn twilight of life, a moment before a great change of season. He spoke about service and care. He ruminated regarding the young doctors coming up. He unabashedly celebrated great-grandchildren, grandchildren and children, both adopted and biological. A large family portrait hung on the living room wall. Mostly though, this veteran person of faith, veteran leader in the church, veteran participant in decades of stewardship campaigns, talked about the church he loves, he reckoned. I try to tithe because in the church, children get what they cannot get anywhere else. They catch a sense of wonder wonder at the world, wonder at love, wonder before holiness. They see real kindness, kind people, kind ideas, kind words, kind works. Most of all, they learn about generosity, generosity in a church that makes a world of difference. In the church, seeds are planted, seeds of wonder, kindness, and generosity. I am happy he said, to hope that my tithing has made a difference. It made me so happy to hear him speak of his faith. It made me so happy to hear him say so. And it makes me happy in a joyful, revelatory sense on this Summer Sunday to think of all the good women and men near and far who are offering themselves Offering yourselves to and with and through the least of these. A student teaching church school, a woman running a child care center, a man hiking with the scouts, a musician volunteering with a children's choir, a graduate student preparing to work with, to counsel troubled children, a couple who annually lead confirmation classes, the blessed ones who will volunteer to lead youth groups, summer camp counselors overworked and underpaid, and more broadly, the citizenry of this great land, which still dimly perceives that the lad with the fish and the loaves, the least of these among us, measures the rest of us. Someone helped you grow up. Someone let you grow up. Someone helped you discover discipline, hard work, and a passion for education. Discipline to reflect the ordering power of God, work to reflect the creative energy of God, education to reflect the life-giving newness of God's Spirit. Children, the least of these are made in the image and likeness of God. People know that there are no extra children, none to spare, not even one to throw to the sharks. When the need is clearly presented, the problem is almost therein solved. So it was on a July day in dear old Boston, a generation ago that after 20 minutes of looking and waiting, the tourists at the Boston Aquarium again heard the crackling loudspeaker and again heard the announcer's voice and at last heard the report, the child is found, the lost is found. Several thousand people stared at one another and many fish and cheered instinctively just as we will stand and cheer when every child across this great land and around the world over has what she needs to make a life. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. And when the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world.
1: We now come to a time in our service when we turn our hearts and minds to prayer and lift up our lives and ourselves to God. Please assume an attitude and posture of prayer by either remaining seated Standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail as we sing together our call to prayer, Lead me, Lord. Creator of the universe, all we are, all we have, and all there is derives from you, the source and ground in which we have our being. We pray that we see this in our every moment and never lose sight of the gravity of existence and of our existing. We pray that in the brief moments we have of conscious existence, we see the magnitude and holy beauty that derives from sharing our existence with other beings, with other creatures, and with other expressions of life, no matter how small. Shift our lenses so that we may see the different vibrant colors and expressions that come from your holy light, the same holy light of which our lives and existences come from. And in seeing the holy light in others, may we see you in others, regardless of the differences in how this light is refracted and expressed. We pray that we would see the source in the colors and the holiness of it all. Shift our focus through the God above God in Christ, who showed through works that it is in our relationships where divinity is discovered, that it is sometimes in less we find more, and that it is in the death of the items we replace you with where we will find you, and that life is found more so in relationships than in material possessions, so that we may not mistake the gifts we have in existence with the ground from which existence derives. Shift our hearts so that through the light we see and hear and do. We pray that we would prioritize humanity over means and ends, that we would see the value in temporary loss for a better environment for future generations, and that we would continue the ministry of the one who displayed the divinity in humanity, the humanity in divinity, and the depth of meaning in it all. We pray that in this depth, we live every moment, not only for our own being, but also in love and care for those around us. And it is in the name of the one who refracts our lenses and humanizes the divine,
4: Good morning. morning. We welcome you again to March Chapel on this beautiful summer morning. Thank you for joining us as part of our community of worship today. Whether you are here in the sanctuary, listening on the radio, or live stream on the internet via WBUR, or later via our podcast. An additional special thank you for those in the sanctuary this morning during the replacement of the ComAV Bridge. Additional information may be found in your bulletin, or if you are planning to visit next week, please visit www.bu.edu/catbridge for foreclosure information. For those of you joining us in the sanctuary, we invite you to fill out your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew. This will help us to get to know you better and you to get to know one another better. Please join us next Sunday as we continue this year's summer preaching series on the theme Toward a Common Hope. Our guest preacher will be the Reverend Victoria Hart Gaskell, Chapel Associate for Methodist Students. Following the service, please join us for refreshments and fellowship outside on the plaza for all other news and upcoming events please visit the chapel website at bu.edu chapel where there is also the opportunity for online giving now as the ushers wait upon us for the offering may we remember that it is a gift and a discipline to be a giver Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your God in heaven. Amen.